We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 424 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022, the day after one of the crazier, one of the more eventful days that you'll ever experience as a fan of the team that we now call the Commanders. Now, you've probably heard that a lot over the years. Oh, this day or that day was a crazy day, was an eventful day with the team. Heck, we just had one of those days this past Thursday. (laughs) Well, Tuesday was another one of those days. We had Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay becoming the first NFL owner to publicly question whether our Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder should remain as an owner of the Commanders. We had the Commanders officially declaring that Taylor Heineke will be their starting quarterback in place of the injured Carson Wentz for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field at 1. And we had Commanders corner William Jackson III speaking publicly for the first time since that report from NFL Network and NFL.com last Thursday morning that he wants to be traded, and he denied that report. A triple play, a trifecta of major Commanders news on Tuesday, and actually, there was a lot more than just those three things. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode every weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out early each morning. Next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of what Jim Irsay said about Dan Snyder. Ain't it funny with old Jimmy Ursay. We, throughout this past offseason, couldn't stand Jim Ursay, right? Because he was constantly throwing shade on Carson Wentz. But now, Jim Ursay, he's our guy. He's our hero. Hey, Jim, you my dog. You my homie for saying what you said on Tuesday afternoon. How quickly our perceptions can change. Uh, you will hear exactly what Jim Ursay said. You will hear Roger Goodell's response to what Ursay said. You will hear the commander's response to what Jim Ursay said. You will hear a letter from Dan Snyder to other NFL owners 
as well. I have a lot for you. We have a lot to get to. And that's just the non-football stuff with the Commanders. They on Tuesday practiced. Head coach Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference, and he spoke at length about the team's quarterback situation, including the Carson Wentz fractured finger, Taylor Heineke being the team's new starting quarterback, why Sam Howell isn't the team's new starting quarterback, a quarterback who Washington faced last season, who the team signed on Tuesday morning, and much more. So we have all of that to discuss, and we have the comments of William Jackson III to discuss. He says that he hasn't asked to be traded. Uh, You'll hear what he said about that, about his rocky tenure with Washington, and about his ailing back, and uh, I have a few thoughts on what WJ3 had to say. Also on the show, I'm talking Wizards. Uh, Welcome on Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington to preview the Wizards 2022-2023 regular season. Are the Wizards finally, mercifully, going to be better on defense? What kind of a season is Bradley Beal going to have off having been re-signed to that five-year $251 million Supermax contract? All of that and a lot more with the great Chase Hughes later in the show. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback of what Jim Irsay said on Tuesday afternoon. Tweet from Frank. Thank God for Jim Irsay. Tweet from RJD. Can't wait for the midfield photo of Danny and Jim. That was funny, RJD. Well done. Email from Stanley Evans. Right, Stanley. Galdi, this might be the best thing I have heard since becoming a fan of Washington in 1998. Ursay does have a huge ego, but I believe he may be just the first of many to speak publicly on Danny Boy. What Ursay said may give other owners the courage to finally speak out. I believe if Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, John Mara, or Jeffrey Lurie speak out, then we may finally have the hope that every Washington fan has dreamed about. Thank you for the email, Stanley. I think you're right. I mean, that's a big ask to get the likes of a Jerry Jones or a Robert Kraft or a John Mara uh, to be on board with ousting Dan Snyder. But you know what? It may be that one or more of those guys on board with ousting Dan. We don't know. We don't know. Email from Chris, writes Chris, with the Ursay quotes, can you please ask your reporter contacts to ask league folks about a new re- rebranding likelihood slash logistics slash timeline if we get a new owner. Thank you for the email, Chris. Man, what if the commanders ultimately not only get a new owner, but another new name? (laughs) How many name changes are we going to go through here? Although, what if? What if? What if? The commanders got a new owner and went back to the name Redskins. Could you imagine that? I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I can tell you this with complete certainty. There would be a lot of fans of the team, maybe slash probably a majority of the fans of the team who would sign up for that scenario in a heartbeat. A new owner and back to the name Redskins. How many of you listening right now would sign up for that? 
If you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode and utilize the power of the pod, uh, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have said many times that the people who truly run the NFL are the owners of NFL teams. NFL commissioner Roger Goodell doesn't truly run the NFL. His bosses, owners of NFL teams, truly run the NFL. And so Dan Snyder being ousted from his official position with the commanders, co-owner and co-CEO, has always come down to what the other NFL owners think. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Goodell thinks. It doesn't matter what the media thinks. It doesn't matter what fans think. What matters is what other NFL owners think. The NFL is a mafia, and the owners of NFL teams are the made men and women. You're a made person until you're no longer a made person. And once you're no longer a made person, you're done. What would make Dan done isn't what I say or what you say, or what a hashtag says, or what a report from ESPN says, or what a report from the Washington Post says, or what Congress says. No, what would make Dan Dunn is what the other NFL owners say. And so the reason, more than any other, to believe that Dan Snyder actually, truly could be ousted as commander's owner has been, the many indications this year that other NFL owners are turning on Dan. That bombshell report from ESPN last Thursday morning had been the latest indication. One veteran NFL owner was quoted in the piece as saying, quote, all the owners hate Dan, end quote, Also, the piece included the following, quote, many owners and top league executives tell ESPN they would like to see Snyder removed as owner. It would clean the slate for a storied team and a cherished fan base and reignite the pursuit for a desperately needed stadium, end quote. Well, now we have what happened on Tuesday afternoon. Beginning on Tuesday was the NFL's fall league meeting in Manhattan, New York. Uh, This is a gathering of NFL owners. This is a gathering of made men and women. Uh, One of the things that you get at the fall league meeting is owners talking with reporters in rather casual settings. Uh, Reporters will approach owners and get their comments on things. You know, these comments aren't even made at formal press conferences. Uh, An owner who likes to talk and who, as you likely know, has quite a background is Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay. Uh, Jim Irsay is 63. The NFL in September 2014 suspended Jim Irsay for six games and fined him $500,000. This for pleading guilty to a misdemeanor count of operating a vehicle while intoxicated in an incident in March 2014. Irsay admitted to a judge that he was under the influence of oxycodone and hydrocodone. Well, Jim Irsay on Tuesday became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as commander's owner. This was a massive moment in the Dan Snyder saga. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Now, Irsay did not say that Dan definitely should be removed as commander's owner. 
But Ursay spoke at length, and the crux of what he said was that it may well be that Dan should be removed as commander's owner. The muddy quote from Ursay was the following. Here you go. You know, it's a difficult situation. Um, you know, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. Um, I think it's something that uh, we have to review. We have to look at all the evidence and we have to be thorough in going forward. So, Jim Irsay on Dan Snyder, quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins, end quote. That right there was the quote heard round the NFL, and Jim even said Redskins and not Commanders. Jim gets bonus points for that. Uh, Jim Irsay saying that he believes that there's merit to removing Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders. This wasn't a fan saying this. This wasn't a member of the media saying this. This wasn't a member of Congress saying this. This was an NFL owner, a made guy saying this. And I know there are people saying, yeah, but the owner was Jim Ursay. Look at his history. I know. I hear you. But A, he's still an NFL owner, i.e., he's still a made guy. And B, the fact that he has the history that he has in an odd way may well empower him because he may feel like he has nothing to hide. You know, he may feel that his skeletons already are out of the closet. And so he doesn't fear whatever might be said or might be leaked about him. Ursay went on and on on Tuesday. Here was some more from him. Well, I, I just think um, what's happened in the workplace, you know, having three daughters, seven granddaughters, um, to me, um, it's something that I think serious consideration has to be given to the removal, and we have complete authority to do that. Of him or just the order family, period? I, I think, uh, uh, in general, of, of him uh, being removed and selling the franchise. So how about that from Jim Irsay on Dan Snyder on Tuesday afternoon? Quote, serious consideration has to be given to the removal, and we have complete authority to do that, end quote. Now, as you can imagine, Dan Snyder was furious over Jim Irsay saying this stuff publicly. A statement from a commander spokesperson late Tuesday afternoon, quote, it is highly inappropriate, but not surprising that Mr. Irsay opted to make statements publicly based on falsehoods in the media. It is unfortunate that Mr. Ursay decided to go public with his statement today while an investigation is in process and the team has had no opportunity to formally respond to allegations. The commanders have made remarkable progress over the past two years. We are confident that when he has an opportunity to see the actual evidence in this case, Mr. Ursay will conclude that there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise. And they won't. End quote. And those last three words are classic Dan Snyder. Classic 
defiant Dan Snyder. We will not sell the team. Uh, Now, of course, Dan Snyder in May 2013 famously told USA Today Sports, quote, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps, end quote. Uh, Well, the name ended up changing. So things can change. No doubt about that. But uh, that was quite a statement from the commanders in response to Jim Irsay on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Also, Roger Goodell did a press conference on Tuesday afternoon. He wasn't happy about Jim Irsay saying what he said. Take a listen to this exchange with NFL insider Mark Maskey of the Washington Post. Roger, Jim Jim Irsay said today he believes that the owners should give him serious consideration to taking a vote to remove Dan Snyder as owner of the commanders. Uh, Can you say, uh, you know, respond to that and also whether you think there will be uh, such a vote at any point in time. And also, uh, can you clarify what Dan Snyder's current ownership status is after his attorney said last week he's under no current restrictions by the NFL? Yeah, Mark, we had a a brief in our um, previous session. We had a brief report on a a couple of matters, uh, including an update on the Washington uh, investigation. It's an ongoing investigation. Uh, That's what we talked about. There were no interim reports. Uh, We have not gotten interim reports. Uh, We do not provide any because we don't have them. Uh, When Mary Jo White is done with her investigation, we will share that with the membership and share it publicly as we committed to before. Uh, And I was very clear with them there's no reason for there to be any speculation uh, at this point in time or discussion until we have the facts. And so that was my message to the ownership. And there was little or no discussion. Yeah, so there you go. Roger Goodell basically told the NFL owners to pipe down, to keep quiet, to shut up about the Dan Snyder situation. But Jim Irsay said what he said. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. This, in a lot of ways, is confirmation of what was in that ESPN report last Thursday morning. Other NFL owners don't like Dan and want him out. This is huge. Now, also in that ESPN report was that there's a belief that Dan Snyder has dug up dirt on other NFL owners and Roger Goodell, and that that's a big part of why he remains as commander's owner. This fear from other owners in the league of what Dan would do if he was ousted or even if an attempt was made to oust him. The idea that Dan would go scorched earth. Uh, We on Tuesday had a letter from Dan Snyder to other NFL owners. How about this? Quote, I hope that you and your family are doing well. I would like to address a recent ESPN article that contains false and malicious statements about the Washington Commanders, our management team, and me and my family. It is particularly shameful for ESPN to diminish the very real accomplishments of our president, Jason Wright, who ESPN alleges was placed at the Commanders by the league and has no power to make real change. I know you know this to be false. Unfortunately, ESPN ignored our efforts to correct the many falsehoods in their article before its publication. There is one allegation in the ESPN article that I feel it is important to address immediately. The article cited unnamed sources who said they've been told that Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners and Commissioner Goodell. 
that is patently false and intended to erode the trust and goodwill between owners that I take quite seriously. I have never hired any private investigator to look into any owner or the commissioner. I have never instructed or authorized my lawyers to hire any private investigator on my behalf for any such purpose, and I never would. While we are all fierce competitors on the field, we are a part of this organization because we love football, our teams, and our fans. Having the privilege to own a franchise in America's sport is something I know none of us take for granted. Falsehoods and lies being spread about any of our organizations hurts our league, our players, and our fans, and we simply cannot let them go unchallenged. Thank you for taking the time to read this. If you have any questions, Tanya and I are always available to answer them, and we look forward to discussing these issues with you at the appropriate time. Sincerely, Dan Snyder, end quote. So that's a pretty strong denial from the Danny about what is in that ESPN report, this idea that Dan has dug up dirt on other NFL owners and on Roger Goodell. But remember this, and this is a key aspect of that ESPN report. The ESPN report doesn't say that Dan has dug up dirt on other NFL owners and Roger Goodell. The ESPN report says that there is a belief that Dan has dug up dirt on other NFL owners and Roger Goodell. The ESPN report offers no proof that Dan has done this. The ESPN report says that this belief exists. So I don't know about the legalities of this, i.e. like, could Dan sue ESPN for defamation? Because the report doesn't say that Dan did this. The report says that there's a belief that Dan has done this. I'm not sure. I mean, I still would say this. If the ESPN report is as false as Dan says, then Dan should be able to file some kind of lawsuit against ESPN. Like, to me, the proof will be in that. Does Dan go after ESPN legally because Dan truly believes that what's in that ESPN report is false? Or is Dan just barking up a storm, but in fact is going to display no bite? Because at the end of the day, Dan knows that what is in that ESPN report is true. We'll see. I mean, I think the proof will be in the action. But I think that is a very sort of technical thing about that ESPN report. Doesn't say that Dan dug up dirt, says that there's a belief that Dan has dug up dirt. But anyway, you had what Jim Ursay said. You had the response to Ursay from Dan. You had the letter from Dan to other NFL owners. Also on Tuesday was another letter, if you could believe this, a letter from Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz to Roger Goodell. Uh, Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz are Washington, D.C. lawyers representing a number of former Redskins employees. Uh, The letter cited that ESPN report from last Thursday morning that commander's lawyers used NFL investigator Beth Wilkinson's investigation as a, quote, tip sheet, end quote, to compile an, quote, enemies list, end quote, that was used by Dan's law firm to commission private investigations and, quote, harass, end quote, clients, including former team cheerleaders, and other former employees. Uh, The letter also includes the following, quote, if true, this was in clear violation of a very specific promise the NFL made to our clients through Miss Wilkinson and her team that witness names would be kept confidential and not shared with Mr. Snyder or the Washington commanders, end quote. So we had that on Tuesday as well. But the headline item by far, in the Dan Snyder saga on Tuesday, 
was what Jim Ursay said. Now, nobody expects a vote or anything like that on Dan Snyder at the fall league meeting. Uh, for him to be ousted, remember, you need 24 of the 32 NFL teams to vote for Dan to be ousted. That's still a high number, 24 out of 32. And really, it's 24 out of 31 because Dan's not going to be voting for himself to be ousted. Uh, like Roger Goodell said, nothing is going to happen until at least the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation come out. But those findings now have taken on even more importance because clearly Dan does not have the unwavering support of all of his fellow made men. And that's a big problem for the Danny. Well, has losing weight been a problem for you? If the answer is yes, Dr. Matthew Mintz can help you. Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan and a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z, dot com, and click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. All right, so the 2-4 and four Commanders on Tuesday practice for the first time since their 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears this past Thursday night. This also was the Commanders' first practice since the team on Monday evening announced that quarterback Carson Wentz on Monday underwent surgery to address a fractured finger on his right hand, his throwing hand. Uh, he suffered the broken finger in that win 
at the Bears. The commanders have not put out a timetable for Carson's recovery, although NFL insiders Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo of NFL Network and NFL.com on Monday afternoon reported that Carson is facing a recovery time of roughly four to six weeks. And so the commanders on Tuesday afternoon officially announced that Taylor Heineke will be the commander's starting quarterback for this Sunday afternoon's game against the 3-3 three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field at 1. Uh, the commanders on Tuesday afternoon also officially announced that Sam Howell will be Taylor's backup this Sunday. And also from the commanders, they on Tuesday morning announced the signing of Jake Fromm. Jake from State Fromm <laughs> to the practice squad. Uh, the corresponding roster move to the signing of Fromm was the releasing of interior defensive lineman Donovan Jeter from the practice squad. Lots more on Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell, and Jake Fromm in moments, but let's first talk Carson Wentz. Uh, Commander's head coach Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. He said that Carson actually was remaining in Los Angeles for now in order to begin his rehab. Here was Ron on Tuesday afternoon on if there's any thought that Carson continuing to play this past Thursday night made his injury worse. Uh, not necessarily, um, you know. And again, I, I couldn't tell you that or not. I mean, you know, he, he, he you know, he played a heck of a game, and he really did, all things considered. There's no doubt that Carson Wentz displayed major toughness in the win at the Bears. I talked about this on Monday's show, episode 422. Carson, this past Thursday night, played through three ailments. Uh, a Carson went into the game with a right biceps tendon strain that he suffered in a loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. Uh, NFL insider Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and NFL.com reported that last Thursday morning. B, Carson in the second quarter suffered that fractured finger on his right hand. And C, Carson on the final snap of the third quarter hurt his right ankle. Uh, this on a two-yard pistol read option run on a second and goal at the seven. And yet, Carson in the fourth quarter threw that block that floored linebacker Roquan Smith, and Carson ended up finishing the game. Now, did he play a great game? No. Uh, but perhaps the fact that he was dealing with right biceps, right hand, and right ankle ailments helps to explain why he didn't play a great game. Uh, what about Carson Wentz potentially going on the reserve injured list? Uh, going on injured reserve would mean that he would have to miss at least four weeks. Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon was asked what's influencing the decision whether to place Carson on injured reserve. That's influenced by the next few days. You know, that's why, you know, he, he stayed. Um, the doctors wanted him to stay, obviously, just so he could start the, the, uh, the rehab process. And then we'll get an assessment as to where he is at the end of the week. All right, so it's wait and see on whether the commanders are putting Carson Wentz on the reserve injured list. What about... Taylor Heineke. Uh, well, here we go again. Tay-Tay back in the saddle again as Washington's starting quarterback. Washington signed Taylor to its practice squad on December 8th, 2020. He has had quite the ride with the franchise since then. His first start for Washington, of course, memorably came in a playoff game, the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in January 2021 in the wildcard round of the playoffs. Uh, Taylor was great in that game. He then, in the 2021 regular season, started 15 of Washington's 17 games. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be Washington's starting quarterback last season, but he, in the second quarter of the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one, suffered a right hip subluxation and never played again. Uh, his playing career now 
is over. Everyone understands the physical limitations of Taylor Heineke. He has subpar arm strength. He's listed as being just 6'1". And this season, by the way, is his age 29 season. So, you know, his physical skills are not going to be getting any better. We know enough about Taylor to know that he's not good enough to be a consistently good starting NFL quarterback over an entire season. But what we also know are two things. A, he can be good, even very good, over a smaller sample of games. Take, for instance, Washington's four-game winning streak last season, weeks 10 through 13. Taylor was really good during that stretch. And B, he has a moxie, a grit, a baller-like quality that lends itself to winning and to endearing himself to teammates. Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on where teammates support for and belief in Taylor Heineke come from. Well, I think a big part of it comes from, you know, you bring a guy in in 2020 and, and you throw him out there and, and he has this, this, you know, this, this never die, never quit, has some success and, and the guys rally. You know, the guys rally around, you know, anybody that's, that's going to step up and, and compete. Um, and do the things that you you you, you need them to do, um, and it's 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 kind of that underdog story. I mean, that's it's a little bit of that too as well. So, um, you know, it's kind of exciting, and um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yes, we will. Uh, now, I on Tuesday show episode four hundred twenty three had a lengthy conversation with Commanders Insider John Kime of ESPN. Among the topics that we got into was the potential for the Commanders to be better with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, as opposed to with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Uh, Carson overall does have more upside than Taylor has, but you wonder if for this commander's team this season, Taylor might provide better quarterback play given the offensive line problems, given his mobility, and given his knowledge of the offense. Look, neither Carson nor Taylor right now appears to be anything close to a long-term answer for the commanders at quarterback. Personally, the more that I think about things, the more that I think that the commanders need to be all in on taking a quarterback in the first round of what supposedly will be a quarterback-rich 2023 NFL draft. The last two NFL drafts have not been ideal for Washington being all in on a quarterback. This 2023 draft appears as if it'll be a different story, but we're still six plus months away from the 2023 draft. What about the now? Uh, Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on the potential for Taylor Heineke to provide a spark for the commander's offense. Well, I think because of the familiarity and the things that we do, um, you know, it'll be an easy transition for us. I think with Taylor too, there there is a um, you know there is always that, that that ability to run the ball. He's he's got a little bit of that in him, so it'll be interesting, you know, because the things that we'll do, we'll we'll most certainly do, will match his skill set. And notable to hear Rod Rivera say that. Obviously, Taylor Heineke's skill set includes mobility, right? I did not think that Washington last season did a good enough job of taking advantage of Taylor's mobility. We last season had very little in the way of, say, read option with Taylor. It'll be interesting to see if we see more of that with Taylor this season. Uh, As for Taylor this season, he has not played on a single snap for the Commanders in the 2022 regular season, during which he has been their number two quarterback for each game so far. Rod on Tuesday afternoon on how Taylor Heineke has been doing so far this season. It's been interesting to watch him in the role that he's been in um, 
he's been a guy that's been very helpful, not just to Carson, but to, to, to a lot of the young receivers and backs. I mean, he's, he's a very knowledgeable guy. And, and again, you know, as far as learning in the game and knowing the game, there's no concern there. Yeah, the biggest concern with Taylor Heineke is his high-variance nature. Like Carson Wentz, Taylor, at least last season, was a high-variance quarterback. His good games were great. His bad games were awful. It's funny that his first game in this 2022 regular season will be against the Packers. Uh, Taylor, growing up, was a Packers fan. He was a big fan of quarterback Brett Favre. And one of Taylor's more eventful games last season came at the Packers. Uh, October 24th, 2021, nearly one year to the day of this Sunday's game, which will take place on October 23rd, 2022. Washington, last October 24th, fell to 2-5 and five in the 2021 regular season with a 24-10 loss at the Packers. Taylor in that game, 25 of 37 for 268 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He took four sacks, including a sack strip for a loss fumble. He had 10 carries for 95 yards and a fumble that he recovered. He quarterbacked a Washington offense that went just 4 of 11 on third downs, just 1 of 4 on fourth downs, and 0 of 4 in the red zone, despite the Packers having allowed a touchdown on each of their opponents' 15 red zone possessions in the 2021 regular season entering this game. Uh, Now, Taylor's 95 rushing yards were the second most rushing yards by a Washington quarterback in a regular season game in franchise history. But Taylor threw a bad interception on a fourth quarter, third and eight at the Packers 12, with Washington trailing 24-7. Taylor threw a shotgun interception to corner Chandon Sullivan in the end zone for a touchback. Uh, The target was receiver Adam Humphreys, who was not open. And Taylor had a major boo-boo on what should have been a touchdown run. On a third quarter, third and goal at the three, Taylor dropped down too soon, and thus his left knee was down at the one, and he was ruled to have given himself up on what ended up being a two-yard shotgun scramble upon replay review. And then on the next snap, a fourth and goal at the one, Taylor fumbled on a quarterback sneak run for no gain. He did recover the football and then extended it past the goal line, but that did not count for a touchdown as he was ruled down prior to the extension. Washington challenged. The runner broke the plane ruling, but the initial call was upheld. That was a brutal sequence in that game, and that was really one of the more brutal back-to-back snap sequences of Washington's 2021 season. Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon with some thoughts on Taylor Heineke facing the Packers this Sunday afternoon of having faced them last season. Well, most of the thing, just the missed opportunities when I go back and look at that game. I mean, you know, for, for what they do, you know, they're very dynamic on offense, obviously. Um, you know, especially everything starts with the quarterback. Then you look at them defensively and they're an opportunistic bunch. You know, they're, they're um, got some tremendous athletes up front. And, uh, you know, one thing they do have is they do have a good core of, uh, of, of defensive backs. And when you have opportunities, you know, you've got to take advantage of them. Yes, you do. Uh, Taylor Heineke is expected to speak to reporters via a post-practice press conference on Wednesday. What about Sam Howell? Uh, As I said on Monday's show, episode 422, my preference with Carson Wentz injured was for Sam Howell to be the commander starting quarterback so that we could get a nice sample of Sam as an NFL quarterback and get a sense of what Sam might be as an NFL quarterback before the Commanders in the 2023 offseason embark on yet another quest for a franchise quarterback. However, I did recognize that it may be that Sam Howell isn't close to being ready to start an NFL regular season game. And sure enough, every indication 
is that he isn't. Uh, John Keim made that clear in his appearance on Tuesday's show. And the fact that the reporting from both local and national reporters prior to Wednesday was that Taylor Heineke and not Sam Howell would be the commander starting quarterback with Carson Wentz out was telling. Uh, those reporters were not just going on intuition. I promise you that. They were being told that probably by Rod Rivera. The commanders took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of North Carolina. Uh, Rod from the get-go has been clear that this season is a developmental season for Sam. Now, personally, I believe that if slash when Sam's ready to start a game this season, he should start, unless the commanders are rolling with someone else at quarterback and are very much in postseason contention. But for now, I get Sam not starting. And take a listen to this. Ron on Tuesday afternoon was asked if there was any consideration given to starting Sam Howell at quarterback as opposed to starting Taylor Heineke. Here was Ron's rather telling answer. No, the focus is Taylor. I mean, we're still in a good situation, still early in the year. Um, we like our, you know, what we've got in terms of the skill sets and in terms of our, our our playmakers, you know, guys that we believe we can get the ball to. Um, and don't want to put, you know, Sam in a situation like that this early in his career. You know, we feel he's a young man that as he grows and develops, he's got a chance. Yeah, it really doesn't sound like much, if any, consideration was given to starting Sam Howell. Notice, too, that Ron Rivera emphasized that, quote, we're still in a good situation, still early in the year, end quote. Uh, well, the commanders aren't in a good situation. They're 2-4 and four with the third worst point differential in the NFL, minus 33, and six games into a 17-game regular season. Really isn't that early, but I do get what Ron was trying to say. The commanders at 2-4, and four, believe it or not, are just a game out of seventh in the NFC. Ron later in his press conference on Tuesday afternoon was asked to elaborate on where Sam Howell is at in his development. You'll hear Ron's answer and then a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. Well, I think Sam is still learning uh, in terms of what we do and how we do it. And how we do it is, you know, that's 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 the part that you've got to get familiar with. There's, you know, how we go through the progressions, you know, stuff like that is 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 a, is all about learning and understanding and feeling. Uh, in terms of knowing what, what to do in the offense itself. But none of this should be read into like he's not. You guys don't think he's on track or anything? Oh, no, we think he's on track. We do. But, you know, Taylor, I think right now, gives us the best opportunity to, to be successful. All right, so good to hear that. You know, there were a lot of varying opinions on Sam Howell going into the 2022 draft, but I've had multiple people on this podcast say some really good things about what Sam could be as an NFL quarterback, including former Redskins general manager Scott McLuhan. Sam was the number 34 player on Pro Football Focus's big board for the 2022 draft, and yet the commanders took him with the number 144 overall pick in the draft. And then there is the newest commander's quarterback, Jake Fromm. Uh, he was taken by the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round of the 2020 draft out of Georgia. He had some big seasons at Georgia, especially his 2017 and 2018 seasons. Fromm finished the 2017 season at number six among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR, one spot ahead of Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, Fromm finished the 2018 season at number three among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR, one spot behind Bama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on why the commanders went with Jake Fromm. You know, he's a guy that we've seen. We, we know a little bit about him. 
Um, you know, he was in a pretty good system when he was up in Buffalo. So he's a guy that we feel that, you know, if we ever got into an, an extreme emergency, um, <laughs> he's a guy we believe could learn and learn very quickly. Uh, you know, Washington did play Jake Fromm last season. Uh, this past January 9th, Washington concluded a 7-10-2021 regular season with a 22-7 win at the New York Giants, whose starting quarterback was Jake Fromm. And he was not good. <laughs> uh, Washington held Fromm to just 15 of 31 passing for just 103 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, each of which was by safety Bobby McCain. Uh, one of the picks was a pick six. Fromm also had a lost fumble. He did have five carries for 53 yards. Up next, the latest on the forgotten controversy for the commanders right now, the controversy involving benched corner William Jackson III. Has he or hasn't he asked to be traded? He on Tuesday afternoon spoke to reporters for the first time since the report of him having asked to be traded came out. You'll hear what he said, my reaction to what he said, and also what Ron Rivera said after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Thank you. 
Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. If not for all of the stuff swirling right now about Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, if not for the Commander's quarterback situation with Carson Wentz injured, there would be a lot more talk right now about what's going on with Commander's Corner, William Jackson III. Boy, has this situation been buried by multiple other situations. Uh, The most money that Washington has spent on a free agent since Rod Rivera officially became the team's head coach in a coach-centric approach on New Year's Day 2020 was the money that was spent on William Jackson III. Washington, in March 2021, signed Jackson as an unrestricted free agent to a three-year, $40.5 million contract with $26 million in total guarantees. He had a very disappointing 2021 regular season, and then he got benched in the commander's fifth game of this 2022 regular season. He, in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5, started the game, but he ultimately played on just 23% of the commander's defensive snaps as he got benched. Uh, He, after the game, made it sound like his ailing back was the reason that he got pulled from the game, but Rod Rivera has made it very clear that Jackson got benched. Then we got what we got this past Thursday morning, a report from NFL insiders Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo, and Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and NFL.com that Jackson wanted, quote, a fresh start, preferably with a scheme that he believes better fits him, end quote, i.e. William Jackson III wants to be traded. Uh, the report added that Jackson wanted, quote, a new home, and the commanders have engaged in trade talks centered around him with hopes of making that happen. There has been interest in Jackson from several teams, sources say, with the NFL trade deadline looming on November 1st. The likelihood is that Jackson is traded long before then, end quote. Jackson for the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears this past Thursday night was inactive, ostensibly due to the back injury, but there clearly was a lot more to his situation. He didn't even make the trip with the team. Rod Rivera, during his postgame press conference on Thursday night, refused to talk about the Jackson situation, but Ron, during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, did talk about the Jackson situation. Uh, sort of. Uh, Ron was asked what he could say at this point about the William Jackson the third situation. You'll hear Ron's answer, and then you'll hear follow-up exchanges with Commander's Insiders Ben Standing of The Athletic and Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. Well, just for the most part, he's continuing to uh, work with Al, do his rehab and stuff like that, and we'll go from there uh, when we get to tomorrow. Do you have any comment about the report itself that he... No. Okay. Do you anticipate him playing uh, this week? Probably not. Um, but again, he's like I said, he's working with uh, with Al right now. Thanks. If he gets healthy, will he play? Well, we'll see. That's to be determined. And a rather ominous answer from Rod Rivera right there regarding whether William Jackson the third will play for the Commanders again once he's healthy. Well, guess who also spoke to reporters on Tuesday afternoon? William Jackson III. Uh, WJ3 broke his silence and he denied having asked to be traded. Uh, Here he was on whether he has asked to be traded and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. 
No, nah, I never said that. I never said I won out. Like, I love my teammates. I, I love being around. That, I mean, around the guys. So you know, you know, people don't write what they want to write. I just sit back and do my job. Is that, is that frustrating to see that come out? If that's not what you want. I mean, what you, what can you do about it? I mean, you can't you can't do nothing about it. Like, oh, just let them guys talk. I'm gonna just sit back and do my job and do what I got to do. The basis of those reports is that you were unhappy about the zone scheme versus man. Hey, What's your response? Hey, I, I haven't talked to anyone. I mean, who did I talk to? You guys are the only ones that be here. So I don't really know who I talked to or how that came out, but it is what it is. So William Jackson III, regarding the report of him wanting to be traded, quote, I never said that. I never said I want out, end quote. Okay, uh, well, there are three possibilities here. Possibility number one, Jackson is lying and is being a total phony, and has in fact asked to be traded. Possibility number two, Jackson technically didn't say that he wanted to be traded. His agent said that Jackson wanted to be traded, or Jackson hinted at wanting to be traded, but didn't explicitly say that he wanted to be traded. Perhaps there is a very lawyerly parsing of words going on here. And possibility number three, Jackson truly doesn't want to be traded, never asked to be traded, nor hinted at wanting to be traded, nor had someone convey the message that he wanted to be traded. And this report from Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo, and Tom Pelissero on Thursday morning was fake news. Uh, I'll tell you which possibility I think has the least likelihood of being the case. Uh, that last possibility, possibility number three. That report on Thursday morning was from three high-level national NFL insiders in Rappaport, Garofolo, and Pelissero. Not one, but three. And those three guys work for NFL Network and NFL.com, what is part of a collective known as NFL Media. In other words, media that is owned by the NFL. Why would the league's media arm make up controversial stories about players wouldn't make much sense. Also, consider this. If William Jackson III truly hasn't asked to be traded, then why hasn't Ron Rivera just come out and said that? Why hasn't Ron just refuted the report? Ron's non-answer answers on the situation have said a lot. More from William Jackson III on Tuesday afternoon. He was asked how tough these last two seasons have been for him. You'll hear his answer to that and then multiple follow-up exchanges. Uh, it's been adversity for sure, but, you know, that's that's a part of the game. Uh, I was asked to do different things, you know, so I'm just trying to get custom with the zone thing, still getting that together, but it's coming together slowly for sure, and I'm just ready to move forward with this injury. Obviously, you had to play some zone in Cincinnati, so was there, something, was there something different with the way they run their zones that you had to get used to? Oh, yeah, it's different, it's totally different. You know, everything is different on every team, nothing the same, so, you know, we just got to keep learning and keep growing from it. I would imagine when you came here, you thought it would be smoother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's the plan, man. We thought it was going to be smoother, but it's some adversity hit, so it's all good. You expressed a lot of confidence this summer about it being year two and you having more yeah. comfort. Has something changed since then or something got in the way of you being maybe more comfortable? 
I mean, you know, it's just, it just with the game plan, things change every week, you know. You probably want to play this guy a certain way. You want to play this team a certain way. So everything changed a different week, and it's just grasping what we got going and moving forward with it. Yeah, the man zone thing, I talked about that with Commander's Insider John Kime of ESPN on Tuesday's show, episode 423. The man zone thing with William Jackson III has become overblown. Yes, he is at his best in man coverage. Yes, Washington deserves blame for spending good money on a corner who thrived playing one way and has asked him to play a good bit another way. But also, yes, Jackson, during his time with Washington, also has struggled quite a bit in man coverage. It's not like Jackson with Washington has been outstanding in man coverage and hideous in zone coverage. He has had problems in both man and zone coverages. Every NFL defense plays a mixture of man and zone. You can't just play one and not the other. No team does that. The bottom line with this William Jackson, the third situation, is that the signing has been a bust. Okay, it almost doesn't matter whether he is asked to be traded. The signing has been a bust. That's what matters. The signing was a major player personnel whiff by Ron Rivera and company. The NFL trade deadline is on November 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, Jackson is dealing with a back injury. Uh, that is legit. He does have a back injury. Uh, here was William Jackson III with reporters on Tuesday afternoon on his back, and you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. I'm still getting there, man. Just a, a disc that's pinching my nerves. So, you know, that, that's something over time. So I'm just working on that to get myself ready to play. Did that happen on a certain play or is that just after a week of practice? I was dealing with it throughout the summer and I think it just kept going, lingering it on. It got worse, after, worse, after, worse, worse, worse after I kept running and cutting. So it was just something that I wish I could have caught early. How specifically, like, does it affect, does it, like, uh, make you less fast? How does that affect you? So you really, you can't get in your stance, you can't open up and run. I mean, you're back connected to a lot of things and all you can do is fight through it. As a football player, that's what we taught to do is fight through things. But that's one of those things that you just got to let heal on his own. Yes, you do. You know what's crazy, though? The commander's defense right now is just fine without William Jackson III. Do you know that the commanders, through week six, are number 11 in the NFL in total defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Number 11 in total defense. Not bad. Uh, also, the commanders through week six are number three in the NFL in lowest opponents third down efficiency for the 2022 regular season. Number three in third down defense. And the commanders through week six are number four in the NFL, in team sack percentage for the 2022 regular season. For all of the things happening with the commanders right now on and off the field, uh, a very quiet and underrated positive has been the rise of their defense, which has been much better since the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. All right, time now to talk Wizards. I said, time now to talk Wizards. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Stephen A. Smith, uh, the Wizards, they will begin their 2022-2023 regular season on Wednesday night 
at the Indiana Pacers at 7. This is Season 2 for the Wizards with head coach Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, the Wizards coming off missing the NBA playoffs last season. For a third time in four seasons, uh, there is with the Wizards the much larger picture of the franchise having not had at least 50 wins in a regular season since the 1978-79 season, nor having advanced past the second round of the playoffs since that 78-79 season. So what to expect this season? I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. He is a must follow on Twitter if you're a Wizards fan. Hey, Chase, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, good to be back on with you, and, and thanks for the kind words. No problem. Much deserved. Uh, looking at the Wizards offseason, the re-signing of Bradley Beal to the five-year Supermax contract, trading Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith to the Denver Nuggets for Monte Morris and Will Barton, signing unrestricted free agent DeLon Wright, taking Johnny Davis with the number 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft, losing Thomas Bryant, Howell Neto, and Thomas Sadoransky in free agency. Netting things out, are the Wizards better going into this season than the Wizards were last season? I think they are. And um, my big takeaway from the offseason was that in retrospect, it became clear to me that their big offseason move was made in February at the deadline when they acquired Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, by the end of the season, they had not seen Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis play together. They had not seen them on the court together with Kyle Kuzma. So I think they looked at that trio and they said, how can we build around those three guys? And I think they did a nice job in free agency and with trades. They had a, a opening at point guard. They found a guy in Monte Morris who proved last year in Denver that he's a capable starting point guard and maybe has some upside to be more than that over time. I really like the DeLon Wright signing. Um, they needed size at point guard. They needed defense. And he's got a long proven track record of being a disruptive defender uh, on the perimeter. Will Barton is instant offense, whether he's in the starting lineup or on the bench. He's a longtime veteran with a long track record of scoring a lot of points um, in, in a hurry. So I, I think they did get better. Um, I think they're deeper. I think they're more balanced. Um, I also thought some of those things about the team last year. And they started out 10-3, and three, and we all know what happened after that. So we'll see how things go. I, I think um, their success will be determined by their defense, of course. We know that. Also, their three-point shooting. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the league last year. And also how they navigate a much deeper Eastern Conference. Like, I've been telling people recently, like, the peak John Wall and Bradley Beal years, um, yeah, they won 49 games in 2016-17. But I think the best team they had would have been like an eight or nine seed in this Eastern Conference. It's a completely different story. Um, so health, obviously, is going to be a big factor. But I do think they're more balanced and they have a, a, a higher upside than they did last season. You said the magic word, defense. Uh, there may be no Washington, D.C. sports tradition that has gone on for longer than the tradition of every October, the Wizards talking about needing to be better defensively and people like us wondering if the Wizards will be better defensively. With the exceptions of a few seasons when Randy Whitman was head coach, the Wizards have been bad defensively for years. So I ask you, will the Wizards this season be better defensively? I think they will. I mean, I'm not going to predict that they're going to go from 25th in defense to top 10, but I think they could be a little bit closer to league average. And if they have the type of offense that I think they'll have, which is at a minimum one that's going to probably score a lot of points, we'll see how efficiently they do that. Then maybe it could be a winning formula. But 
Um, I think Monte Morris will provide a little bit more resistance at the point guard spot. DeLon Wright, I think, is going to be a real asset on that end of the floor. Uh, he's one of the best players in the league at forcing turnovers. If you look at his steals per 36 minutes, it compares uh, you know, favorably against the best players in the league. I think he was third last year. Matisse Theibel and Gary Payton II were the only two players ahead of, them, ahead of him, and they were some of the best defenders uh, on the perimeter in the league last year. Um, they've got two capable rim protectors in Chris Stapps Porzingis and Daniel Gafford. Uh, when they acquired Porzingis last year, they were one of only two teams with uh, two guys on their roster averaging at least one and a half blocks per game. It's a lot more than blocking shots. you got to alter a lot of shots. Um, there's a lot that goes into having a good defense. But I think the pieces are there. And I've asked players, uh, like, what was missing last year that needs to be in place this year? What are the key ingredients? And they've pointed a lot to intangibles, like communication, um, effort level. Um, but uh, I think there's also been a mindset, particularly from some of the top players on the team, like Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, that those guys, while they have offensive reputations, they need to commit to the defensive end. They need to set the tone because they are the high-profile players on the team, and they feel like if they play defense and they give a lot of effort on that end of the floor, then everyone else will have to follow suit. I totally agree with that. I think that the defensive effort put forth by Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma is going to matter a lot. And if that effort is high, then I do think that the Wizards have a chance to be a lot better defensively. Regarding the Wizards' collapse last season, you've used a great phrase to describe last season's Wizards, a chemistry experiment gone wrong. Uh, In hindsight, a major issue was so many players playing for contracts and thus putting individual needs ahead of team goals. The Wizards for this season do have a number of key players entering contract years in various ways. Could the contract problem again be a problem for the Wizards? Well, it's definitely something to watch. I think uh, it's always something to watch with the Wizards and probably most NBA teams that uh, don't have uh, sort of a tradition of winning because uh, when things go wrong, guys are, are naturally going to look out for themselves. I mean, there's a long list of players that have a lot riding on this season financially. Uh, Rui Hachimura is entering the final year of his rookie deal. He could earn the first big contract of his career. Kyle Kuzma will probably double his salary. He's only making $13 million. He could uh, get a, a substantial raise. Uh, will Barton um, you know, might have a chance for his potentially his last multi-year deal you know he's in his early 30s um he's had a long nba career um there's just a lot of guys that um will have incentive to want to put up good numbers um so it's going to be something to watch because last year what was so interesting about that season is when things went wrong we got an unusual dose of honesty from players in post-game press conferences and they talked openly about guys looking for their own shot not playing team basketball because they were in contract years. We've heard that in the past when things went wrong. I remember um, John Wall said, we got too many guys on this team that are in the final years of their deal. Um, but it's also kind of the nature of the NBA. If you look at most rosters around the league, um, the, the stars, they get the long-term contracts. But uh, generally, it's a lot of guys on rookie deals who have something to prove, and a lot of veterans don't get the long-term deals. Um, so I don't know if they're completely alone in that regard, but um, certainly uh, they're going to have to keep it together better than they did last year. And maybe that's something where though, having one year of experience will help Wes Unsell Jr. because he had to deal with all of that last year in his first run through the job. And it was a difficult situation, obviously, that didn't work out. 
We're talking with Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington. A bright spot for the Wizards as last season went on was the play of Chris Stapps Porzingis, but he does have an undeniable injury history, especially with his knees. To what extent will there be load management with Porzingis this season? Well, they say that that's not in the cards right now. He's not going to sit the second night of back-to-backs. Um, they're not going to rest him, but you know, I, I will note that was in the same press conference that um, you know, they told us everyone was healthy. And then the next or a couple of days later, we found out that Denny Optia, in fact, wasn't healthy and he missed the entire preseason. So uh, sometimes wishful thinking can come out in those types of settings. But um, yeah, Porzingis, it's, it's interesting. You know, he had the ACL injury and everyone knows that um, when he was in New York, then he went to Dallas. But it's really just been a lot of like uh, minor injuries. Like I was looking through the injuries uh, that he had last year. Fox Sports keeps an injury log and it was like, back knee i uh, think of like maybe his elbow or his, his elbow is like all these different things um and they amounted to making him miss um something like a third of the season or 40 percent of the season and since he came back from his acl injury he's missed almost exactly a third of his team's game so it hasn't been major injuries he says he thinks it's um it's it's partly bad luck it's a lot of contact injuries it's not like you know, he, he doesn't see himself as injury prone where he's just been running down the court and he, you know, uh, tweaks his knee. It's it's always something where he bumps into somebody. And we saw that in the preseason where he stepped on Terry Rozier's foot. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, he's been injury prone if you just look at the numbers. But I thought Tommy Shepard said something pretty interesting to Chris Miller when they first acquired Chris Porzingis, which is, you know, everyone saw Joel Embiid as injury prone and, until he kind of wasn't. And now he's blossomed into this perennial MVP candidate. And Kristaps Porzingis, the, the talent's never been in question. So maybe he can overcome it, but it, it doesn't sound like there's any, um, you know, plan for rest or restrictions. Um, you know, maybe they can rely on their depth a little bit. Um, but the hope is just that he'll have better luck moving forward. Yeah, Grant Hill was like that, too. He wasn't a big like Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Joel Embiid, obviously, but Hill was hurt a ton early in his NBA career and then ended up having a great career. Played into his 40s. Yeah, absolutely. So nothing from the Wizards' 2022 offseason was a bigger deal than what happened with Bradley Beal, right? Uh, July 6th, he was officially re-signed to a five-year, $251 million Supermax contract, richest contract in Washington, D.C. sports history. Beal, according to ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks, is the only player in the league to have a true no-trade clause. Boy, the Wizards have treated Bradley Beal quite well. Uh, He now has signed three different max contracts over the last 70 years. He's going into his age 29 season. Uh, Beal committing more to defense is a huge storyline for this Wizards season. We talked about that, but another big Beal storyline to me is his three-point shooting, which has declined drastically in recent years. Beal, in the 2021-2022 regular season, played in just 40 of the Wizards' 82 games, did not play in a game after the month of January due to a torn ligament in his left wrist. He, over his 40 games, shot a career-worst 30% on threes, 63 for 210. Uh, Do you see Beal being a better three-point shooter this season? I think it's possible, and I would say it's possible because um, I think Monte Morris is going to be a little bit more of a traditional point guard than they had last year with Spencer Dinwiddie uh, when his percentages plummeted to a career low. And I, I think that's um, important to note because of the, the recent 
results that Bradley Beal has produced uh, with all the change at point guard, but also, you know, he started his career as a 40% three-point shooter. He was on track to be like a Clay Thompson or one of these guys who's an, literally an all-time great in terms of his percentage and his volume. And it correlates almost perfectly with when John Wall's body started breaking down and John Wall uh, left. And we've made so much over the years about John Wall making people money because he's such a good passer. Um, Otto Porter, Martel Webster, all these guys that just feasted off of passes from John Wall, just right in the pocket, in transition, uh, wide open threes, the exact type of threes that NBA players like to shoot. When they practice at the facility, they're catching passes from the perimeter, from the paint, because it's coming from a coach who's rebounding to them. So that's their most comfortable three. And what John Wall would do is he would fly down the court and then he would find a guy trailing behind him um, on the wing or in the corner. And it just was a completely spoon fed, to use his own phrase, uh, three point shot. Um, so Bradley Beal doesn't have that anymore. And he's had to grow more as a guy who creates for himself off the ball. And overall, he's become a better player. He's become a more dynamic scorer. But the percentages have dropped. So I wonder how they're going to utilize him in the offense. I actually asked him yesterday, like, um, with the new personnel, how could your role be different, if slightly, uh, in the offense? And he said, you'll see. So um, there's probably going to be some changes. But I think just having a floor general who throws accurate passes, um, whose job is to, you know, set guys like Bradley Beal up for shots and rhythm could help him. Because when we've seen him earlier in his career with that element, he's shot at a much higher rate. What to you is a realistic outlook for Johnny Davis this season? I think realistically, we're looking at him probably not playing very many minutes early on. And when he does, probably not making a, a, a significant impact on the offensive end. Uh, he was a 20-point scorer in college, but he had a lot of trouble in the summer league uh, getting his own shot and getting to the spots that he likes to shoot from, which is mainly in the mid-range. Um, he wasn't a high-percentage three-point shooter in college. Um, so that might affect which lineups they can put him in because, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Wizards struggle shooting the three. Um, and he struggled in the preseason. He missed his first 13 shots. But I, I would, I guess, tell Wizards fans to think about more than just his scoring because that's not all that he was drafted for. He was drafted in part because he is a tough perimeter defender. I think uh, it probably entered the Wizards thinking when they were on the board at 10 uh, in the draft, like, who is the best perimeter defender? And they may have highlighted Johnny Davis for that reason. Um, so usually uh, defense takes a while for guys to, to uh, you know, get accustomed to the NBA level, how, uh, how the games are called and obviously the physicality and what you can get away with and just the athleticism, how quick everyone is. But um, it sounds like Wes Huntsell Jr. has been more encouraged with his defense than he has been with his offense. He said the other day he's ahead of the curve in terms of on-ball defense and there's just – some little things that they're working on him with, which in terms of communication and switches and team defense. So if he can play, if he is ahead of the curve and West Huntsville Jr. wasn't just being nice, uh, then he'll probably find a way in the rotation because the, that's a need for the Wizards. They don't have very many guys that they can rely on to stop the ball at the perimeter. So maybe that's how he finds his way in the rotation early. And I think overall, you probably hope for a similar trajectory to what we saw from Corey Kispert last year, where uh, it was frustrating early on. He wasn't really playing, but naturally injuries opened the door. And by the end of the season, he was a pretty capable rotation guy. Final question. Wizards president and general manager, Tommy Shepard, head coach, Wes Unsell Jr. What do you think that they truly think is an attainable ceiling for the Wizards this season? I think they, they hope that the team will go into the playoffs and, and win a series. 
you know, they got into the playoffs two years ago with Russell Westbrook and they lost um, and were pretty much overmatched uh, against the Sixers, a one versus eight seed. But if you could get into the playoffs this year and win a series um, in a tough Eastern Conference, then that's something that you that would represent a pretty significant step forward. Um, I know it's like kind of where the the Wizards peaked with John Wall and Bradley Beal, but you got to take one step at a time. And this team missed the postseason last year, and it's a different Eastern Conference, as I've mentioned. So, if you could get in, uh, you know, say as a six seed or something, or a a five seed, uh, you know, maybe that's their high end. Um, ex- that that's probably the high end of what you could expect from them. And then at a minimum, they're competitive in that series. Then you can build off that going into the next off season with hopefully some financial flexibility. And if your draft pick conveys, you know, you would go, you'd be in the playoffs of that protected pick. Um, there's currently owned by the Oklahoma city Th- thunder or no, actually it's owned by the Knicks. It's changed hands a few times, but that draft pick would convey. And all of a sudden um, your future draft picks would be available to make a substantial trade. If you wanted to add another star or something um, of, uh, you know, that would really sh- uh, help you vault forward. So I-, I think that's a reasonable expectation. And I think, you know, maybe if you're in that position at the trade deadline, maybe you can level up sooner than the off season. If you're in the playoff picture and you approach the trade deadline and some, you know, a lot of your guys are playing well and you feel like um, that first round pick is going to convey this year, maybe you can, reach a little bit further into the future and trade some first round picks and, and level up. Um, so that's what I think they would be a reasonable expectation in the way they see it. I don't, I don't think they're, you know, going into this year thinking like finals are bust or, and certainly they don't want to miss the playoffs. I think it's very important that they make the postseason and ideally get out of the play in tournament. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, here we go. Another wizard season. Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington does an excellent job covering the wizards. Chase, Thanks a lot, and all the best to you. Yeah, man, it was fun. Let's do it again. All right, a few quick items before we call it a show. The NHL on Tuesday suspended Capital Center Evgeny Kuznetsov one game without pay. Uh, This for a high-sticking penalty on Vancouver Canucks defenseman Kyle Burrows in the second period of Monday night's 6-4 Caps win over the Canucks at Capital One Arena. Also, we on Tuesday finally got word on Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavailoa, who in the fourth quarter of the Terrapins' 38-33 win at Indiana this past Saturday suffered what was called a lower right leg injury and was carted off the field. Uh, head coach Mike Loxley on Tuesday said that Talia re-aggravated a sprained right MCL and is a game-time decision for the Terps' homecoming game home to Northwestern this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. So Talia did not suffer a season-ending injury. Good news there. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Algaldi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 425, will be a loaded show on the Commanders. Special guest, NBC Sports Fantasy Football Analyst Matthew Barry, who's a big Commanders fan, will get his take on Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, head coach Ron Rivera, the state of the team's 2022 season, and more. Uh, We expect to hear from Ron and from the Commander's new starting quarterback, Taylor Heineke, via post-practice press conferences on Wednesday. So we'll have a lot to get into as the two and four Commanders prepare for this Sunday afternoon's game against the three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field at one. Also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Wizards as their regular season opener is on Wednesday night at the Indiana Pacers at seven. And I'll talk college football, a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia, which is at Georgia Tech 
Thursday night at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. You know, it's a difficult situation. Um, You know, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins.